Astrology, Music, and Mantras, I'm Ben Collins. Join me as we take a look at some of the great stories from the Vedic tradition. And this week we have a real favorite of mine about a form of the divine called Ayapa. This podcast is presented by Pujanet, P-U-J-A dot N-E-T, your Vedic resource on the web where, in addition to this podcast, you'll find a new episode of Jyotish Conversations. In my conversation with Penny Farrow, she lays out the vast scope of the traditional Jyotish literature, which is composed of the three skandhas, or major divisions, and the six angas, or limbs of Jyotish. It's a fascinating discussion, so check it out. Ayapa is little known outside of South India, mostly in Tamil Nadu and Kerala. So I did some research on this form of the divine, and what I discovered was a fantastic story that, at least in my opinion, sets a record for the most twists and turns and some really unusual things happening. And it's all great fun. Sabari Hill is a place in Kerala, the southwestern coast of India, and the deity who presides over it is called Ayappa. So in many ways, this is the story of Ayappa, a very unique deity, who is the son of Shiva and Vishnu. Let me explain. There once were two demons by the name of Ramba and Karamba, who were the sons of Danu. The two boys decided to undertake a severe regime of meditation and sadhana, and Karamba had immersed himself neck deep in cold water, and Rumba sat next to him uh, near a blazing fire uh, in order to attract the attention of Lord Agni, the god of fire. Now, as this was happening, Indra, the king of the Devas, became aware of what they were doing and was afraid that any success on their part would be a danger to his throne and his rulership over the heavens. So Indra took the form of a crocodile and killed Karamba, while he was sitting deep in meditation. Well, Rumba, sitting on the bank nearby, realized his brother's fate and was afraid and prepared to commit suicide before Indra could get to him. But because he had done so much tapas, Agni could not stand by as one of his most devoted disciples was preparing to commit suicide. So Agni appeared before Rumba and asked him what boon he wanted. And as you know, this is where good intentions frequently go awry. And Rumba requested a son who could not be killed by a deva, an asura, or a man. Well, Agni immediately granted the boon, and Rumba left to go home. On his journey home, Rumba met a beautiful female buffalo. Now, this was very, very long ago, when the world was considerably more magical than it is now. And in those days, it seems that the Ashuras had heads like water buffaloes. So he meets this other female Ashura, called Mahishi, and falls in love with her on the spot and decided to take her home. And she was very happy to accompany him. Well, along the way, they had to stop for a night in the jungle, and one thing unsurprisingly led to another. And at midnight, while Ramba, who at this point is usually referred to as Mahishan, was making love with Mahishi, Another wild male buffalo intervened and killed Rumba. Well, Mahishi was grief-stricken at the loss of her mate, and with great sadness arranged for the funeral of Mahishan. At the funeral, overwhelmed with grief, she jumped into the funeral fire 
of Ramba or Mahishan. Now the way that boons work, once given, they cannot be taken back, and under any circumstances the boon must materialize. So, as astounding as it may seem, from the funeral fire of Mahishan and Mahisha, a young boy was born and would later be named Mahishasura. Mahishasura was brought up by Ramba's relatives who trained him to be their king. And it was a good choice because Mahishasura was always looking for more and more power. He worshipped Lord Brahma and performed many years of very severe penance to obtain Brahma's blessings, who was eventually pleased and appeared before him asking him what he wanted. Mahishasura said that the boon he wanted from Lord Brahma was simply that no men could kill him. And Brahma was happy to grant his wish, as he always does. Now, after receiving the boon, Mahishasura began to very aggressively expand his kingdom. He conquered the underworld and then the earth. Finally, he entered heaven and conquered Indra and exiled all the gods from heaven. Well, this didn't make any of the devas terribly happy, so they went to Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva and asked each of them in turn for help. But Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva had to admit that with the boons that Mahishasura had received, they really couldn't help them. So they decided to ask their wives, Saraswati, wife of Brahma, Lakshmi, wife of Vishnu, and Parvati, wife of Shiva. And together they decided to create a female deity by the name of Durga, who would possess the combined power of the devas and the combined beauty of the goddesses. From here, the story is told in great detail in the text of Chandipat, and at one point, Durga provoked Mahishasura by laughing at him and challenging him to fight. Well, Mahishasura accepts the challenge, and a fierce battle ensues in which Durga effortlessly kills him and all his followers. But the story continues. Leela, Mahishasura's cousin, decided to take revenge on the devas after hearing about the horrible death of her cousin. She also undertook a program of long meditations to attract the attention of Lord Brahma, who appeared and asked her what boon she required. Well, Leela was very clever and asked that she would attain her end only by a baby who could be born from Hari, Vishnu, and Hara, Shiva. Furthermore, if such a baby would be born prior to possessing the sufficient power to kill her, the child must have served in a royal family for a minimum period of twelve years in an earthly kingdom. Her conditions were granted by Brahma, who then disappeared. As a part of her strategy to avenge her cousin's death, she attempted to provoke Devendra, or Indra, the king of the Devas, but Indra wasn't drawn into the fight easily, and he, realizing the danger up front, approached Lord Vishnu for a solution. Vishnu and Brahma consulted and decided to create Datta, a male Ashura, to divert the attention of Leela away from Indra. Although the trick worked temporarily, the Devas knew that they needed a permanent solution. How could she possibly be killed, given the strict conditions of her boon from Brahma. Now apparently at this point in Vedic histories the devas were not immortal and Shiva and the other gods decided that this would be a very good idea because the battles with the demons were ongoing 
and they didn't want to continually risk their lives. But this was not a task that they could accomplish alone, and so out of necessity they invited the Asuras to help them churn the ocean of milk to recover the Amrita, or divine nectar of immortality, which they promised, falsely, to share. They used Mount Mandara as the churn, and Vasuki, Lord Shiva's snake, as the, as the churning rope. And the devas took one end, and the demons, demons took the other, and pulling back and forth, they churned the ocean. The first thing that came out of the ocean during the churning was a terrible poison called Kalakuta. Lord Shiva, realizing that the poison could infect and destroy the entire universe, tried to swallow it himself. But even he wasn't strong enough to resist its effects, and Parvati, his wife, squeezed his neck to prevent him from swallowing. The dark blue poison got stuck in his throat where it remained, and thus Shiva became uh, called uh, Nilakanta, one who has a blue neck. Now eventually, at the end of the churning process, Danvantri, uh, the divine physician, appears from the ocean holding the Amrita. And as you might imagine, a quarrel soon broke out between Devas and Asuras about sharing the nectar, and the Asuras ran off with it. Well, the Devas could not afford to have all the Asuras becoming immortal, and so Vishnu assumed the form of an extraordinarily beautiful woman called Mohini to distract the Asuras away from the nectar, while the other Devas stole it and ran off to heaven, where it would be distributed to each of them. After this happened, each of the Devas got their share, thus resolving a certain portion of their anxiety, but there was more to come. They still hadn't found a way to solve the problem of Leela, the Asura who was threatening Indra, and couldn't be killed except by a child of Vishnu and Shiva. Well, sometime earlier, Basmasura, a very powerful Asura, had meditated on Lord Shiva and performed very long and severe meditations. Eventually, Shiva was pleased and granted him a boon which gave the Asura the power of turning people to ashes with just the lightest touch. As these stories go, she was quite willing to grant this request, but Basmasura didn't believe it would work and asked to test the validity of the boon on Lord Shiva himself. Well, Shiva realized his predicament and ran off to find Vishnu, the protector of the universe, and asked for his help. If you follow these stories, you will know that Vishnu is very clever and quite a trickster, and he recalled from his experience with the Asuras in the ocean of milk that his form as Mohini was particularly powerful. So he appeared before Basmasura <coughs> in the form of Mohini, and as expected, Basmasura was instantly passionately excited and completely forgot his desire to test the boon. He just wanted Mohini to marry him as fast as possible. Cleverly, Mohini agreed, but said that she was worried that in time her beauty would fade and that he would lose interest in her. How can I convince you, he asked. Please, she said, no doubt batting her eyelashes. I don't want you to even think of another woman. Promise me. Oh, of course I promise, he said. No, she said, promise me. Touch your head when you promise. Immediately he did. And it was too late, and he collapsed in a pile of ash. 
Now, there's one problem with Vishnu assuming different forms. Because he's the sustainer of the universe, he has no destructive power. And so he needs the assistance of Shiva, the destroyer, to change back into his original form. In fact, after the Kurma, or turtle incarnation, he went to a specific temple in Kanchipuram, where Shiva destroyed the turtle form. And there are great carvings in that temple that show this aspect of the story. So Vishnu was still this stunningly beautiful Mohini when he returned to Lord Shiva. But once Shiva's eyes fell on Mohini's intoxicating beauty, Lord Shiva himself got excited and succumbed to her considerable charm. To put it politely, he had his way with her, and immediately afterwards a son was born, called Sasta or Ayapa. And given the rest of the story, the Devas were very, very relieved, because now there was a son of Hari and Hara, and the demon Leela could be defeated. But if you recall, the second condition that was that this child would serve for twelve years in the court of an earthly king. So Ayapa was carefully left on the banks of the river Pampa. Now in that area, Raja Shekara was the king, and although he was a good and spiritual man, his queen had not borne him an heir, and both the king and queen constantly prayed that they would be blessed with a child. One day the king went hunting in the forest around the Pampa River, and at night while resting he heard the cry of a little boy nearby, and he immediately ran to the banks of the river, where he found the newborn baby with a golden bell around his neck. Under these miraculous circumstances the king believed that the child was sent by the divine, and so he took the little baby back to his palace, and the queen was jubilant, welcoming the unexpected and divine gift. Since the baby was wearing a golden bell around his neck, they, de they decided to call him Manikantan. The young prince was brought up in a fine manner as would be expected and was provided with a complete and extensive education. The family guru was extremely happy with the attainments of the student and at the same time realized the boy's divine power. So one day, when the guru was to receive payment for his services, he refused to accept any money. He requested Manikanta to bless and cure his son, who was both blind and deaf. The dutiful disciple, with his miraculous touch, restored the boy's sight and speech, and this was only one of many miracles which demonstrated the young boy's divine nature. But there was a complication, as there so often is in these stories. After the arrival of Manikanta, the queen was blessed with a child of her own, another son. And both boys grew up as loving brothers, but when the time came to pass the throne from the king to the next generation, the king decided to pass the throne to the elder, the divine, son. Probably a sensible decision, but the queen saw it differently and wanted her biological son to be king. Soon she had recruited the general of the army to be on her side, and together they decided to thwart the king's decision by tricking him. They approached the royal physician and enticed him with various rewards so that he became an accomplice in the scheme. And some days later the queen pretended to have very severe painful stomach aches. In a panic the royal physician went to the king and convinced him of the seriousness of the queen's condition and said that only by drinking the milk of a leopard would the queen recover. 
It's an ancient Ayurvedic remedy, he said. The king was dumbfounded at this incomprehensible remedy. How on earth can you even approach a leopard, much less actually milk her, he asked. Who would possibly be willing to undertake such a dangerous mission? Hearing this, Manikantan, the divine son, said to his father, the king, and confidently told him that he would undertake this mission to save his mother, and was fully convinced that he would be able to succeed. Well, the king, understandably, did not want to risk losing his son to an angry leopard, so he said no, but after some discussion he relented. In short order, Manikantan departed for the forest. Well, as an aside, it's easy and fun to imagine what their conversation might have been. Uh, Dad, about the leopard milk? Remember I was born in the forest, so I know something about wild animals, and, well, remember I'm divine? <laughs> so what's your dad going to say? Oh, oops, I forgot. But indeed, the king had forgotten, and you wonder how a king could forget his own son was divine. But it comes to mind that we are all divine in our own essence, and really, we've forgotten our own nature. So these seeming lapses are, in fact, rather instructional and symbolic of the forgetfulness that we all have. In any case, Manikantan departed for the forest, and Indra sent down several tigers to accompany him. In a very short time, he found the Ashura Leela, also known as Mahishi, and killed her since, as the son of Vishnu and Shiva, she would be defenseless against him. Well, there's a couple different versions of what happens next. In some stories, when Mahishi is killed, a beautiful woman is released, having taken the form of Mahishi as the result of a curse. She wants to marry him, but he declines because he is celibate. However, he agrees that she would be visited by all who come to see him in his temple, which would be erected on that spot. So she is there even now, worshipped as Malika Puratama. So Manikantan then returns to the palace, riding Indra's tiger, accompanied by her cubs, carrying the leopard's milk needed by the queen. In her immense shock, the queen and her conspirators confess to their plot and beg for forgiveness. But immediately Manikantan disappears, as if to demonstrate that dishonesty is the surest way to distance oneself from the divine. The king is bereft and refuses to eat until Manikantan returns, which he does in a vision. The king is delighted to see him and fully appreciates his divine nature, apologizing profusely for having forgotten it. He offers to build him a temple, and Manikantan agrees, and takes an arrow, shooting it into the sky, where it file, falls on the top of Sabari Hill, a journey of a couple days away. And the temple is there to this day, and even now, on the 14th of January every year, there's a grand procession from the, when the king's personal jewelry is taken, in a three-day journey, from the palace to the temple, where it is used to decorate the Ayapa deity there. So that's such a great story, and it seems only appropriate to conclude with a recitation of Mahishasura Mardani, which tells the story of Durga's battle with the demon Mahishasura from this story. It's a little bit long, it's 17 minutes, but the melody and the rhythm are wonderful, 
And that'll be all for this week, so we'll see you next time. Thank you.
ಶಾಸುರಮರ್ದಿನಿ ರಮ್ಯಕ ಪರ್ದಿನಿ ಶೈಲಸುತೆ
ಜಯ ಜಯ ಹೇ ಮಹಿಷಾಸುರಮರ್ದಿನಿ ರಮ್ಯಕ ಪರ್ದಿನಿ ಶೈಲ ಸುಖೆ ಸಹಿತ ಮಹಾಘವ ಮಲ್ಲಮ ತಲ್ಲಿಕ ಮಲ್ಲಿತ ರಲ್ಲಕ ಮಲ್ಲರತೆ ವಿರಚಿತ ವಲ್ಲಿಕ ಪಲ್ಲಿಕ ಮಲ್ಲಿಕ ಭಿಲ್ಲಿಕ ಭಿಲ್ಲಿಕ ವರ್ಗವೃತೆ ಸಮುಲ್ಲಸಿತಾರುಣ ತಲ್ಲಜ ಪಲ್ಲವ ಸಲ್ಲಲಿತೆ ಜಯ ಜಯ ಹೇ ಮಹಿಷಾಸುರಮರ್ದಿನಿ ರಮ್ಯಕ ಪರ್ದಿನಿ ಶೈಲಸುತೆ
ಅರ್ಜಿತ ಕನಕ ಚಲ ಮೌಲಿ ಪದೋರ್ಜಿತ ನಿರ್ಭರ ಕುಂಜರ ಕುಂಭಕುಚೆ ಜಯ ಜಯ ಹೇ ಮಹಿಷಾಸುರಮರ್ದಿನಿ ರಮ್ಯಕ ಪರ್ದಿನಿ ಶೈಲಸುತೆ ಸಹಸ್ರಕರೈಕಸಹಸ್ರಕರೈಕಸಹಸ್ರಕರೈಕನುತೆ ಕೃತಸುರತಾರಕ ಸಂಗರತಾರಕ ಸಂಗರತಾರಕಸೂನುಸುತೆ ಸುರಥ ಸಮಾಧಿ ಸಮಾನ ಸಮಾಧಿ 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 ಸುಜಾತರತೆ ಜಯ ಜಯ ಹೇ ಮಹಿಷಾಸುರಮರ್ದಿನಿ ರಮ್ಯಕ ಪರ್ದಿನಿ ಶೈಲಸುತೆ ಯಥಾಸಿತಾನುಮಿತಾ ಶಿರತೆ 